the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we spend time in the Old Testament, it becomes quite clear that there are shadows here in the Old Testament that will point to the realities found in the New Testament. We're looking at the foreshadowing of our redemption in the life of Samson. Next. Most of us, we get a glimpse of Samson and we see a guy who rebels and is a rather rogue prophet, but one who serves the Lord nonetheless and his ending doesn't look too good, to pardon the pun. But as we'll see today, there is much more to Samson if we'll but spend some time in God's Word and explore his life as it relates to God's salvation through Christ. And that's what we're doing today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Join us from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward, Pastor Jesse, and today's broadcast. We have built a number of typological patterns that are clear to us in the book of the Judges, as the author of the Judges has given us a framework for the context of the crazy in which they are living. And we are sure that in the same way in which they were living then, we are living now. We can map the period of the judges, which I told you was between the patriarchy and the monarchy. It's a period of disunity. It's a period of brokenness. It's a period of vulcanization of the tribes into their own desperate attempts at self-organization and and self-will at the level of trying to occupy a promise that that God gave them without them obeying God. The text tells us three times in the book of Judges that in those days, there was no king in the land. Extracting from that proposition is that there was no leadership to give them structure and guidance from heaven to do God's will in order that they might maintain the blessing. You and I live in that kind of culture today. It's called every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. And you and I struggle with a kingless heart also. So hurry up and turn the word of God on yourself because that's how you get fixed. It's not about your neighbor. It's about yourself. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Right. And so not only were, was there no king in the land, but every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. And we find that God in his mercy over an extended period of time, whenever his people go so crazy that he sends a deliverer, a savior to bring them up out of their trouble. I told you this as I was laying down an argument for making sure the people of God adhere 
to the Deuteronomic code that tells us that you are not to follow a multitude to do evil. Biblical thinking men and women understands that salvation always comes by one and then by few, almost never by the multitude. See, when you think God's thoughts after him, what you understand is uh, people is not saved by the multitude of a host. Men and women are not delivered because you are in the majority. Most of the time, the majority is wrong. What I want you to be thinking about today as our overarching theme for the book of Judges is that we are called to do what? Fight the good fight of faith. That's the overarching theme. That's why you see so much warfare in the book of Judges. It's fighting the good fight of faith. It's recovering the promises of God. It's standing on God's word. It's seeking to maintain our inheritance in Christ that we seem to want to lose and let go and release by, again, our own undoings. Let me lay out a little bit of an argument for you so that we can make our way to point three, which is really where I want to develop the fight that we just touched on two weeks ago. My first proposition is that we are all in some sort of fight. We're all in some sort of struggle, some agony of existence, even if that struggle, child of God, is for normalcy. We're all in some kind of fight, some kind of struggle, some kind of battle. I don't care who you are. If you're not in a struggle, in a battle, you don't know anything about the kingdom of God. And if you're really all right, you're probably on the enemy side. I'm getting ready to explain that. But see, every child of God is dealing with some kind of struggle, even if it's the struggle of maintaining normalcy. Does anybody know what I mean by that? Like, like when God has blessed you and has given you resources and you're operating out of a set of principles by which you can rejoice in the Lord and things are predictable and the bills are getting paid and your health as well. And you got some very manageable enemies that you can keep fenced in. You're doing good, are you not? But you know, like I know that normalcy is always under threat. You know, waking up on any given day, normalcy will have taken a walk on you and things are disrupted. And now you got to deal with the abnormality of some surprise event that comes into your life. Hence, we're in a battle all over again. The child of God is always going through some battle. The child of God is always being distracted. The child of God is always uh, being hindered. And the goal of the enemy of your soul is to destroy your ability to do God's will. I'm going to say that again. The goal of the enemy of your soul is to destroy your ability to do God's will. For you to be impactful or helpful to his cause and the advancement of his glory and the very areas of life to which you are called. Please hear me again, child of God. The goal of the enemy It's to inhibit you, to hinder you, to stop you from being able to do God's will in your life. And and particularly in the specific areas of your life to which you're called. So I'm not going to let you go. If you're visiting with grace, bless you. You're not going to get away today without not knowing. You're getting ready to know. And here's what you're getting ready to know, child of God, that every one of us has at least one calling in life, if not many. 
And in every calling of our life, we are called to know that call and understand what's in front of us in terms of what God is calling us to do. When you figure out what your call is, understand this, the enemy is coming at that. If you are a woman, your call is to be a biblical woman. I guarantee you the enemy doesn't want you to be a biblical woman. If you are a man, your call is to be a biblical man. I guarantee you all hell breaks loose to destroy any potential of Christ in you, my dear brother, the hope of glory. If you are a married couple, the goal of the enemy is to destroy your marriage. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you if you are parents with children, the precious little souls, which are the quiver and fullness of God's own purpose in this world, the goal of the enemy is to turn your children against you and you against your children. I'm here to tell you, you got a lot of callings for which you need God's help to get it done. It won't ever happen. Listen to me. And the goal of the enemy is to bind you. We've been seeing that theme, have we not? The whole goal of the Philistines, which is a metaphor, an analogy of what? The flesh, the carnal nature. The goal of the enemy is to bind Samson. Bind him. Bind him. Because if you can bind the people of God, you can keep them from doing the will of God. If you can bind the people of God, you can stop God from being glorified. If you can bind the people of God, then you can take over the world and create it over in your own image, which is what the devil is doing. And you and I ought to know something about bondage. God saved us out of bondage. He brought us out of darkness. He brought us out of the house of bondage in that in order that we might be children of the living God walking in the freedom where with Christ has what set us free. I'm here to tell you, the enemy is coming after you to bind you, bind you hand, foot, and mouth to shut you up from bringing praise and glory to the true and the living God. Am I making some sense? He knows how to do it by first getting in your head. He doesn't have to show up in any kind of corporal form. All he has to do is get in your head, whisper. And the next thing you know, your mouth is shut because your head is all jacked up. I'm making some sense. Am I making some sense? I'm getting ready to see that here in the midst of this battle. May God open your eyes to see the truth of the glory of God in this conflict in which Samson is dealing with. Now, listen carefully to me, child of God. The goal of the enemy is to cause you to be hindered in God's purpose in your life. He wants to bind you and he'll bind you by having you to fall asleep. See, because if you sleep, you're good as bound. Am I making some sense? And Pilgrim warned us about the delectable mountains, about the enchanted hill. He said, watch out in your pilgrimage, in your journey from the enchanted hill, the delectable mountains. Why? Because they are such a wonderful condition of life where you get to be blessed in the material and in your circumstances. And your soul starts to say, It's really good here. The delectable mountains are those places of promotion and privilege and prominence and prosperity where you go to sleep on God. That's all he wants you to do is go to sleep. Because you see, if you go to sleep, the book is closed. 
You're going to lose your scroll. Does anybody know the Pilgrim's Progress? As you saw in wood, you're going to lose your scroll. And once you lose your scroll, child of God, you lose the reinforcement of your identity. All he wants you to do is go to sleep. And there are a lot of Christians that have been asleep over the last decade. He wants you to go to sleep. Then also what he wants you to do, if you, <laughs> if you have a hard time sleeping, he wants you to work for Vanity Fair. See, he doesn't want you to work for Jesus. He wants you to work for Vanity Fair. And you can map that onto every, every uh, prominent, popular uh, industry in this world. Vanity Fair is all you live in today. Everything is vain particularly when it doesn't glorify and honor God. So if you're not going to sleep, if you, if, you, if you got a problem sleeping, he'll put you to work in Vanity Fair where you're in one of the booths selling their goods and rather than God's goods. So you're working for the adversary, working for the adversary. And thirdly, if he can't uh, put you to sleep or get you to work because you're lazy, you've got a lot of lazy folk don't want to work. They can't sleep, but they won't work. What he's going to do is put you on the broad road of destruction. And many there be that go thereby. It was your master that warned you that very few people find the straight and narrow way. Most people are comfortable because they're in the multitude. And when most of the multitude is thinking a particular way, you find that to be a security, but it's a false security. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right. The church has heard this for 2000 years and it seems like we fall into it every decade into the broad road of destruction. And that's where many professing Christians are today. That's where the adversaries of Samson are in our text today. I say all that to say one more thing as we deal with our text today. If you are in a struggle, a struggle by God's blessed providence in your life, This is how you know you thirst for God. If you're not in a struggle, you're not thirsting. You see, our dear brother Samson has been loosed from his bondage to fight. And his fight has resulted in him being famished in his soul. Hence the title of our message, Samson, what? I thirst. Now, y'all know that the way we understand scripture is that it has its fullness of fulfillment and interpretation in one who is greater than Samson. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know where he thirsted, don't we? And I'm trying to help you to understand the way you thirst righteously is in the midst of a struggle for the glory of God. And that's what we want to work through today. Are you in a struggle? Are you thirsty for God? Then thank him for the struggle. Point number one, let's walk through it quickly. I don't want to stay here long. A foreshadow of our redemption. Everything in the Bible points us to the person and work of Christ. You agree with that, right? Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do thy will. When we're talking about warfare and fighting and battles, please listen. There's no battle or warfare that's fought by you and me that avails to anything if Jesus didn't fight for us by his life, his death, his burial and resurrection. 
There's no battle that you and I are fighting that will avail to his glory if it's not attached to the fact that Christ has already fought the battle and won our eternal salvation at Calvary. Every battle subsequent to that is really designed for God to do two things, get glory in your life and transform you to the image of the living God. And you remember what I taught us, and we can see this over in verse 11 and 13 of chapter 15, Samson allowed the Jews to bind him. You guys remember that? Samson allowed him to do that. Now, you guys know Samson's a pretty bad brother, right? You meet him on 7th Street, cross the street. You meet him in the Mission District, cross the street. If you don't love God, when you run across Samson, just go the other way. Start running. Samson's a bad brother. I'll roll with Samson any day of the week. We are told in chapter 15, verse 11, then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom and said to Samson, knowest thou not the Philistines do what? rule over us. I told you this is a pathetic confession on the part of the people of God when you tell the world that the flesh rules over you. That's a pathetic confession. When you will have the audacity to say the government rules over me. The secular system tells me what to do. The leaders of this world are my righteous authority and not God. You're in a pathetic situation when your flesh rules. Now they're trying to tell Samson that Samson has to let the flesh rule too. They're actually an adversary of the very man that God sent to save them. Have you ever been in that situation? Sure you have. You're a child of God. Every time you rebel against God, you are opposing Samson. Did you know that? And here the Judites, the warrior tribe, is telling Samson right here, we're not going to go to war with you. We're not going to fight the Lord's battle. We are actually on the other team. Do y'all see that? This is a vast picture, if you don't get it, of apostate Christianity. We have no king but who? Caesar. And they took the greater Samson and put him on the cross. Y'all remember that? This is where we are in our generation. When you run across religious folk who give more credence to the government and government policies than to the word of God, they want you to be bound by this world system. They don't know him in his glory. They don't know him in his majesty. See, if you're a child of God, here's what the reality is. Are you ready? Jesus is Lord of all. Listen, he rules over every power and principality in the universe. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. Now, if that's really true, he's the one that gives them instructions. And they're supposed to obey him when they tell you what to do. You folks who believe that the government can tell you whatever they want to tell you and you're supposed to obey it, you don't know the word of God. There's no authority in this world that can tell a child of God what to do if that authority is not itself submitted to the crown rights of Christ. So you're not exhibiting any kind of wisdom when you tell me, well, we're just supposed to do whatever the magistrates say. Remember what Peter said, I'd rather obey God than man. But we've got a dividing line going on a day uh, by those who call themselves Christians who don't acknowledge the crown rights of Christ and they're walking in carnal, earthly, human, secular authority and they're being bound for it. Look at what you get when you serve the government. You get bound. Hand, foot, 
and mouth. Look at what you get when you serve the flesh. They tell you to shut up. We're getting ready to deal with that right now. When you're made to be free, when you're made to be loose, when you're made to open your mouth and give him glory and declare his word from Genesis to Revelation. And they're telling you to shut up. Y'all hear what I'm saying, don't you? What we got in our text is a permission because God is using Samson to exhibit the what I consider the relentless stupidity on the part of the people of God. I'm ashamed to be a Judite in this context. Why am I binding the very man that God raised up from the womb to deliver my soul? And I'm siding with the enemy against him. I'm ashamed of the Judites. I'm ashamed to be a Judite. And yet I'm one. And here is the mystery of the paradoxical nature of the love of God in Christ. Samson let him do it. Jesus said it in John 19, 11 and 28. If you seek me, let these go. My master permitted the wicked rulers of Israel and the wicked rulers of the Roman Empire to take him. Do y'all remember that? This was because of his love for his church. His love for us. You know, love will hurt you. Did you know that? Love will hurt you real bad. This is why a lot of people lock their love up in a deposit box and don't ever pull it out again because love will hurt you. Won't it hurt you? Man, you try to love on somebody, turn around and want to bind you. Hand and foot. This is what's going on in our text. Subpoint B, a choice to be governed by the flesh. I love this. There's only one time in human history where submission to the flesh amounts to the glory of God. And it's when Jesus assumed a human nature. You see, we will be honoring the incarnation in a few weeks for four weeks as we lead up to Christmas, because we know the mystery of the incarnation is that God allowed himself to be bound to the flesh in order to liberate us from the power of the flesh. That's called love indescribable love. What wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul, that you would assume a human nature and be bound that I might be free. I like Samson. I don't know about you. I'm trying to sell a few of y'all on Samson's book. I want you to buy Samson's book. I like Samson. He voluntarily submits to it. Subpoint C, a rejection of the love and law of God. You see, the Philistines will not obey God. The flesh can never do the will of God. Do you know that? Romans chapter 8 taught you this. Verse 6, 7, all the way through 13. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It cannot do the will of God. It won't obey God's law. So please understand, our secular system does not love God. It cannot love God because it won't obey his word. You have lived, if you're 40 or 50 years old in this room, or if you're 20 or 30, you are seeing the systematic dismantling of all of God's truth in our nation by our policies and, and by our systems because they don't love God. You cannot love God and love sin at the same time. You cannot love evil and love God at the same time. You who love the Lord must at all times hate evil. And you're living in a system that's telling you we hate God. And therefore, we will not be bound by him. We saw it in Psalm 2, didn't we? Let us cut his bands asunder. Let us, let us cut his cords from us. We will not have him to rule over us. And as I said, the secular world is doing the right thing. They don't know God. But what about Christians? 
Listen carefully to me, child of God. When you love God, you love his law. You love his word. You find inherent in God's statutes and precepts, right living, good living, sound living. The law of God is summed up in two principles, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as your what? Right. And when you understand these two fundamental principles, you are not going to intentionally diminish life, whether it's in the womb or in the old person they want to euthanize. You're not going to diminish diminish life anywhere because love works no ill to its neighbor. Am I making some sense? For those of you who think that you can despise God's law and still love God, you are wrong. Can't do it. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write, 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.